This is Melanie Ake. Today on Everyday Leaders, you'll meet Lee Cockrell, the retired VP of Operations for Walt Disney World. Lee spent many years developing and designing systems to create the magical guest experiences of the Walt Disney World theme parks. I'm really excited to share what's happening at Everyday Leaders. Go to everydayleaders.com. Subscribe to my website where you can learn strategies to become a leader in your own life. On the everydayleaders.com podcast page, you can connect to the guest of the 2019 Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit and listen to your favorite episodes of the Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. Now, if you're ready to take the next step and become a leader in your own life, go to my Everyday Leaders store, select the Life Strategies courses, corporate strategy workshops, or even personal coaching. Go to everydayleaders.com. Subscribe and keep up to date on all of our programs and valuable leadership lessons. When you subscribe to Everyday Leaders, you'll be entered into our monthly giveaway to receive a round to it. If you need accountability in your life, this is a great way to start. Go to everydayleaders.com and become a leader in your life. Welcome to Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, Lee Cockerell, Executive VP of Walt Disney World. I am so thrilled that you're here as a guest on Everyday Leaders tonight. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you. You are one of those guests that have been on my list as I learned traditions classes at Walt Disney World in 1986. And it's always been a part of me, everything that I've done and focused on in my career. People that know me know that I'm crazy. I'm a little bit uh, Disney freak. <laughs> but to have you on this show to teach leadership and leadership lessons is just a joy. So thank you for being on the program. And I want to go back to one of your books. You start off in your book talking about the magic of Disney. And, and one of the books here is Creating Magic. And I just want to read the first sentence where you say, it's not the magic that makes it work, but it's the way we work that makes the magic. And for people people that don't know your story, that haven't read these books, that haven't taken the time to really digest things besides going to the park, I want you to tell us and help people connect to your journey, how you didn't just end up at Disney World because you had everything given to you. It wasn't an easy path. So I want people to understand that. So tell us about your story, Lee. Well, uh, I uh, grew up in Oklahoma. I actually never stepped foot out of Oklahoma until I was 20 years old. I grew up on a farm. We didn't even have indoor plumbing. My brother and I were quite happy. We didn't know that was a problem. It's funny what you get used to. Uh, my mother was married five times. She was kind of a busy lady. And uh, I was adopted twice. I got my name Cockrell when I was 16. That was my third last name since I was born. And that was husband number four because she started making better choices and mm-hmm. he had money. So I got to go to college, but uh, I went up to Oklahoma State University and uh, had a great time, but didn't go to class. 
So uh, I promptly flunked out after the second year and uh, went in the Army in 1964. And uh, I was in the Army, and I met a guy there. He was from the U.K., and he asked me what I wanted to do when we got out. And I said, I don't know. What are you doing? He said, I'm going to the Washington Hilton in D.C. I'm going to be a chef there. It's opening in three weeks or two weeks. And uh, so we went to Oklahoma, got my car. We drove to Washington, D.C., we stayed at the Marriott, which back in the day was $8 a night, drive-in, check-in. You didn't even have to get out of your car. They gave you a, <laughs> it was kind of a motel place. And uh, next day, we went to the Washington Hilton, and they asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, well, I don't know, room service waiter? Because I knew that made tips. I'd seen programs on TV where the waiters always seemed to get money. And uh, so uh, they said, no, those are all full. You can be a banquet waiter. So I got a job as a banquet waiter. I got lucky. I was the only kind of American there. Everybody was German. They all were on green cards, which was easy back in those days to come and work in, in the United States, especially in the hospitality business. And I got lucky. One of the German guys me by the hand and taught me the business. He showed me everything. And I got really good at what I was doing, and I'd work in a French restaurant at night, and I learned all of that, and then I just kept learning. And finally, I applied for a job in, a, in the food and beverage control office to do the accounting work, even though I'd taken accounting twice in college so I could make a D. And uh, <laughs> How many of us have done that, though? You know? <laughs> I had no idea what they were talking about. So, uh, and... Um, they turned me down. They said, no, uh, you don't have any experience. I said, oh, great. So I waited around, and a couple months later, they came to me and said, well, we'd like to give you a chance because no, we couldn't get anybody to take the job for $80 a week. And I said, all right. So I took the job, and I worked there in the office, and he taught me the business and the, really the accounting methods we were using and the purchasing and uh, accounts payables and receivables and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I did a good job. He ended up he was French. He went back to France after about six months, and I got into a management training program, got promoted into his job, and uh, my career took off from there. I worked for Hilton for eight years. I worked in Washington, D.C., where I met my wife in the same hotel. Uh, I told her, I think I've said before, that hotel's where John Hinckley shot President Reagan mm. coming out of the hotel back in the 80s. I was right down the street that day that happened. And uh, wow. uh, so I got to work there for about three years, and we moved to Chicago. We had a baby. Uh, we I worked at the Conrad Hilton down on South Michigan Avenue, big hotel, mm -hmm. built in 1927. Actually, it was taken over by the Army during World War Two uh, as housing for the military. And uh, then I got promoted to the Waldorf Astoria in New York, worked there for three years. And then I got promoted to a small hotel in Hilton, up in upstate New York, and I was the assistant manager for the hotel. And then I went to Los Angeles as director of food and beverage at the Hilton, and then I ran into a boss, one of those obstacles in life. Yeah. We, we didn't get along, so I quit and took a job in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which my wife told me not to take, and I told her I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and 90 days later, I got fired because the place went under. Um... And I married a saint because when I went home and told her, she didn't say, I told you so. So uh, <laughs> she was she didn't like living there anyway. So I had a couple months to look for a job. We had a two-year-old. We didn't have any money. We did, had a little Volkswagen, and friends took us in and family, and I finally got a job with Marriott. 
and uh, started as a restaurant manager and ended up being the vice president of food and beverage over the 17 years I was there, and uh, it was great. And then I got recruited by Disney in 1990 to go to France and open Disneyland Paris, uh, which I did. My wife loved it because she wanted to live in France, and I tell people she made me take the job. <laughs> and uh, we got a French daughter-in-law out of it. My son got out of college, came over, worked five years in France, married a French lady. Oh. They've been married 26 years. I've got three grandkids, 24, 21, and 18, and we're just having a good time. I'm still married after 51 years, so I know I'm being a better leader. My wife said she's going to stay, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah. But that's how the career went. It was great. I loved the business. I got good at it, and I got. I really woke up after I started working and saw how interesting it was to learn. I didn't understand that in high school and college. I was bored. I had no curiosity. I thought I'd just stay in Oklahoma my whole life. And I got out of the village and learned there's a different life out there in D.C. and New York and L.A. and Paris. And mm -hmm. it changed me. And I aggressively started reading, going to seminars, and uh, all of that works. Never too late to get better is what I tell people. Never too late to get better. Who was your mentor, yeah. Lee, when you were, before you came to Disney? Like, what were you thinking? Did you ever think about having an opportunity to work for the Disney Corporation at all? I had no idea. Every job I got, I was scared to death. They'd find out I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, they kept promoting me. I think I got promoted 19 times in my career. And uh, I was very insecure. You know, growing up in a dysfunctional family, I had big insecurities. Somebody said, why were you successful? I said, because I had a huge fear of failure. So I got up earlier than everybody else. And I worked harder, and I kept learning. And uh, but I had mentors. I had one fellow. I had. A, I was very defensive early in my career. I took everything personally, and he really helped me with that. He worked me over every time I did it. And, uh, and one day he said, "Lee, do you realize the whole world does not revolve around Lee Cockerell?" And that got my attention. And I, I slowly but surely got to be a better person. And uh, it helped my marriage too, because you know I always wanted to be right. And that's not a good idea in marriage. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I changed. I'm more confident today than I was. I, deep down, I think I still have a streak of, you know, low self-confidence only because it's up in your brain and quite never gets out. But uh, I had a lot of success. And each time I had success, my self-confidence got better. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot, of, lot, lot better in all areas of leadership, management, customer service, culture, technology, because I was interested in it. Mm -hmm. And I read about it every day, and I go to seminars, and I'm on websites every day trying to keep up and trying to learn. And, and uh, so it's a miracle that I ended up at Disney World <laughs> running it. If you'd, my teacher, if you'd told my teachers and I school Lee Cockrell around Disney World, they'd show, are you out of your mind? There's no way. <laughs> Somebody stole his identity. I couldn't be the same guy. But it's just, I tell people listening today, you know, don't underestimate what the work future brings. Because when you're 20, you got a lot of years ahead. And it doesn't take too long once you mature and start focusing to become an expert. And I worked on becoming the best food and beverage person they ever had, in the, ever, and the uh, best person in time management. And I've been teaching it for 35 years. And uh, you can become an expert. Got Now today we got Google. If you're not an expert in something, it's your own fault. Mm -hmm. Don't blame your mother. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> so that's how I think about it. And that's the kind of... <laughs> 
<laughs> seminars I give today to because I think too many people underestimate what they can achieve. Mm -hmm. And I think they underestimate the influence they have on other people every day because a lot of people are insecure. A lot of people don't believe they can do something. Or they grew up in a little town. They've never been anywhere. And uh, so that's the kind of stuff I focus on. What do you think? We talked about this a little bit earlier, but, you know, when I went through traditions class, it talked about just laying out the steps of the Disney beliefs and the Disney magic and how you make that happen. And, and so when you come from an environment that you might not have that confidence to connect to people or to reach out to a guest or to understand how important it is to influence a guest to have a great day, right? That's the best experience you want that guest to have is memory of Disney. <laughs> That's what it's about. You go to Disney World, right? You win an Olympic medal and you go to Disney World. <laughs> That's right. the epitome of, of your enjoyment. So the people that work there, what you were able to do in the time that you spent at Disney, influencing how they believed about themselves so that they could have a guest experience. That's what's so amazing to me is that that power of influence. And when you talk about you didn't come from that place where you said, I know exactly where I want to go. I want to know exactly what I want to do. You just figured it out along the way. <laughs> that's right. And I think that's probably the best way. Somebody told me once, make sure you're working on the job you have, not the one you want. Because uh, if you get to think you're hot stuff and you you wake up when you're 20 years old and say, I'm going to be president of Disney, you're probably not because people are not going <laughs> to like you. They'll think you have no humility, you're a jerk and, and an idiot. Mm -hmm. So I just did my job. My basic philosophy is every job I got, I tried to be the best person I've ever been in that job. And that meant reliability, learning, uh, being cooperative, raising my hand, doing whatever they wanted, and and I got I'm very organized. I really learned how to uh, manage uh, multiple tasks and keep on truck and keep my promises, do what I say I'm going to do. So when you got a great attitude, let me tell you, if you don't have a college degree, you better have a good attitude, mm -hmm. so somebody will give you a chance. And uh, I would say attitude is probably eighty percent of your success in life. Frankly, I really believe that. And uh, Somebody said the other day, it was like a flat tire. Until you fix it, you can't go anywhere. You know, <laughs> attitude. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I just kept getting promoted and I kept learning. And I got more excited about learning. And the more I learned things, I, I actually figured out that I didn't know everything, which I always thought I did. My wife, I used to tell her I know everything. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you, get, you, it, you, change you change by getting exposure, experience, and education. That's what that's what changes you. Education is not enough. You got to get exposure and you got to get experience. That's and go through the fire. And uh, you come out the other end better person and uh, a better all-around person. Treating everybody respectfully, you know, uh, just focusing on performance. Don't worry about where people are from or what color they are or what sexual orientation or what religion. None of that matters. All that matters is performance. And are they you know, good people. That's all I'm worried about. And uh, are they trustworthy? And those kinds of things are what people need to be focused on. We got a lot of technical experts that are real jerks, and they're they get fired. I mean, just look at Washington D.C. right now. Oh my God, this we're supposed to be leaders there, and we don't have any leadership there. And it's because of bad behavior. One of them gets caught every day screwing around, doing something. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, saying something inappropriate, sexual harassment. I mean, it's a, I tell people, are you out of your mind? Mm -hmm. I mean, 
and it happens over and over. You got to be careful what you say and do every day. Everyone's watching and judging you all the time, and I'm well aware of that. Yep. And uh, I know I have influence. I didn't always know that because I was just a little kid from Oklahoma. But as I grew, I I found out that people were intimidated by not me, but by my position. So mm-hmm. I had to soften it. Mm-hmm. And so you learn a lot of these things. If you learn them, you'll be successful. If you don't learn them, you'll probably have a lot of obstacles and a lot of disappointments in your career because. Uh, people are not going to work for you unless they know you're committed to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, today, great people can find a new job every morning. Well, I want you yeah. to I want you to talk a little bit because you do. As you came into Disney, you know I've I've read your all your books and and I've highlighted some things that I think I really want listeners to understand about you. Um, many of my friends and listeners are are leadership coaches or they're in business for themselves or they're leading companies. And we talk about, you know, these personality tests, DISC and strength finders and all these things. And you had a section in here where you talk about Gallup and how you had them design a real um, personality profile for Disney employees. So I want you to kind of talk about when you decided that that was going to be important and then how much that really changed the power of picking the right people. Yeah, I mean, I was at Disney, and I got to Disney World in 93, and we had a great team. George George uh, Caligridis was in HR at the time. He was on our team. He's now the president of Walt Disney World, approaching 48 years with the company. Um, uh, Meg Croft and a few other people. We, we knew one of our problems was the only solution to Disney meeting the competition and being great in the future was we had to have better leadership. That's it. Leadership comes first, not the customer. If you don't have good leaders, your people are not going to get treated right. They're not going to take care of the customer. And so we figured out the the magic would be getting great leaders in every position, which, man, we had to get better at selecting. We had to get better at deciding who got promoted. Uh, we had to understand people more deeper because in that those days, it was if you hung around long enough, you became a manager. Mm-hmm. And uh, that doesn't work. So we found Gallup, and they had, they'd been doing this for years, and uh, they do it for professional football teams, basketball teams, at major companies. You know, it's we know people, you know, it's like a basketball team. They help them pick the right players before they give them the $7 million salary mm. because we know they can shoot the basket, but are they going to come to work? Are they going to show up on time? Are they going to be cooperative? Can they be a team player? That's the kind of stuff you got to know. I know you can hit the rim. I can look at your uh, resume and tell if you got the skill. The skill is the least of your problems. It's, it's really attitude and passion and, and commitment and perseverance we're looking for. And uh, so they, they helped us develop it. And one was developed for the executives and managers and one for the frontline cast members. And we started implementing that. And over three or four years, we just got a little better every year. We got better people. We sorted out the people that weren't very good. And I would say today... Uh, that has helped Disney so much is to get the right people in the right slots with the right behaviors, the right mm-hmm. attitude, and then we can teach them the skill. Skill's not the problem. Uh, you, but you're not going to be very good unless you have the right attitude and you're happy and you wake up in the morning and you want to come <laughs> in. And you and taking care of guests all day when it's 95 degrees, you got to be pretty tough. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And we got to we got to hire these people to have high energy and and uh, stamina and their discipline. They'll come to work on time and they can put up with uh, a guest that's screaming at them. And uh, so the profile really helped with all of that. And uh, yeah, that's uh, what we did. And it get, we just gradually got better at it. 
Well, and everybody remembers a time that they're at Disney and they see something happening that may not be the best situation, but they always talk about that experience that the Disney person did this. The Disney person was always thinking ahead. How do I make that guest experience the best experience? Um, And I've personally had it happen to me. And, and, you know, it's those things that they kind of think about you before you even know that there's a problem and they want to solve it and make sure that you just walk away from that saying there would have been no other place in the world that I would have felt this walking away. And, and so how did you influence your entire team? Were there like, what, 59,000 people that you were <laughs> There were a lot. <laughs> how does one person do that? <laughs> well, it's like, uh, you know, it's like being a parent. It takes time. It'd be nice if you could raise your kids in one day, but it's gradual, and you teach them certain things at certain places. You uh, clarify expectations for performance, which we do clearly. That's what uh, traditions is for, and other training is to clarify our expectations. I would say most people leave traditions pretty excited about uh, what they're joining. They can quickly, if they stay with us long enough, we'll see a career. Uh, I uh, so we started. We started uh, right there giving high expectations. And I would say today, the number one thing your listeners can do, and most of them are not doing, is being extremely clear about their expectations for performance before they hire somebody. So the person can decide, are you, can you do this? If you can't, don't come here. Because uh, this, and when you have high expectations for yourself and for your team, guess what? People do better. And you expect more, and people will do more. Half the problems in the world are the managers don't know what they want them to do, and the managers are not good role models, and so the people see that. It's like at home. You know, if the parents are good role models, odds are the kid's going to turn out pretty good. Mm-hmm. And if you got <laughs> poor role models, they're going to end up with all kinds of problems. So I think the number one training method is role modeling, uh, being aware that you have influence, uh, being aware and making sure all the managers understand we expect them to be professional not try to intimidate their employees, uh, treat people with respect, uh, ask their opinion, listen to them, uh, give, make them feel safe. You know, everything, only two things people worry about in the world if you've got children are safety and education. And I say that's what we worry about at Disney, safety for everybody and training them, education. Mm-hmm. And then people get better. And then once the light comes on and they start loving the learning, they just get better and better and better. And uh, it's a culture. It's it is a culture. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. when, you, when you created these take fives, you know, you talk about this in your book, but for people that are trying to implement something in their company, that would be easy, right? Everybody talks about, you know, three steps or five steps or 10 steps, but you talk about these take five opportunities. So what does that look like at Disney? Well, we started that in the millennium when it was going to be the year 2000. We wanted to kind of step it up to make sure the, the, the experience was even better than ever. So came up with this concept, take five, which is in the movies, take a break, take five minutes when they take five on the set. And we, uh, we actually taught all the employees, uh, all the cast members at Disney that a few times a day, take any fire from 30 seconds to a minute to two minutes and go out of your way to really impress a customer by either walking them down to the restroom, showing them where it is, telling them something about the windows on Main Street, uh, going over and talking to them about when you see them with a map and sh- taking them to where they're trying to go, and just 
take five and show total interest. And if we could get all 50,000 cast members doing that every day with everybody they came in contact with, the guest leaves at the end of the day saying, wow, everybody we ran into was shipped, treated us as individuals. They focused on us. And that, that became very successful. And we just gave the cast members the authority to do it. Mm. And they, they, we didn't tell them what to do. They figured it out. They are much more creative than we were. And they figured it out. And uh, they just started doing it. And even, the, even the people that were um, the, the custodial people, they, they, started, they started doing little things in the street. They had put plastic bottles up and make a little bowling alley. And they'd had a, they had a little ball they made out of rubber bands and let the kids try to shoot it down. Kids love this. <laughs> I mean, we spent $150 million on a ride, and the kids wanted this little rubber ball to throw and knock down some plastic water bottles. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was just incredible what they came up with. Mm -hmm. Or having a little somebody set up a little storytelling in a stop, and they'd tell a story for two or three minutes, and all the kids would surround them. And the parents just uh, pin trading, you know, that was another area to get the guests engaged with the cast members. And uh, when you turn 50,000 people loose to take care of business, they do a lot better job than one or two leaders trying to figure out what to do because leadership doesn't know what's going on half the time. So, uh, but how do you stay people... connected? You know, when you talk about that, people got creative, but to keep their, them inspired. You know, to yeah, to be well, able you know, to kind of say, right. hey, you're responsible for this. And they got to see that magic happen. Yeah, well, it takes a little time, and we rolled it out, and we kept it alive. I did a newsletter every week, and I hammered it. It went out to all the cast members, congratulating people, telling them what other take fives were doing across the property. I went out and walked the properties every week for three, four, five hours, checking things, tech, talking to cast members, seeing if they understood what it was. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time in operations making sure that I'm checking it. Even when I ran a hotel for Marriott, I walked that hotel three times a day for an hour, hour and a half, just kept connecting with cast members, asking them what they needed. Do they have the resources? What can I do to help them get do their job? What's keeping them from being great every day? Mm -hmm. And over time, it gets contagious. And people, uh, when you give people a little authority, uh, they will they will take it. And they'll, I tell you, they, take, they make better decisions than I do. When a guest is upset, they just take care of it. And, you know, time it gets to me, I don't have time for it. I give them a free vacation or something. So <laughs> I'd rather the cast members take care of it because they just buy you a coffee or some pancakes and mm -hmm. solve the problem. And uh, so it's a, it's a culture. It's a cultural issue. I think anybody that reads that book, Creating Magic, can figure it out, that the kinds of things we did. You know, the first chapter, the first strategy in that book is remember everyone is important. Yep. If you get that one right in life, everything goes fine. The second chapter is training. Mm -hmm. If you hire great people and train them, you can go take a nap. And uh, you don't have to worry about things. And uh, if you but, hire bad people, it won't work. But you and, know what, uh, Lee? But we talk yeah. about so many times now in corporate America, right? Not in hospitality, but corporate America, where they say, those are soft skills. You can train on, <laughs> on the, I know, but I got to ask you this because it's so important that these soft skills are really fundamental, critical skills that the Disney way, this is how Disney, how you created the success, how you drove the influence is on soft skills. Absolutely. The soft skills are the hardest part of life. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what. At the end of the day, the roller coaster is no problem. It's the people. 
<laughs> you know, everywhere you go, it's people create a nightmare for you. Uh-huh. And uh, people said, what was your biggest problem at Disney when you were running? I said, get everybody to behave every day. <laughs> you know, the co- ro- ro- you know, the roller coaster waits for you to push the button and it does what you tell it. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't. And, uh, and uh, I tell people, you want to get into management? Are you out of your mind? It's going to ruin your life. <laughs> Because all, and if you don't understand that, mm-hmm. and you spend all your time kind of fussing around with the technical side of your business, and not paying attention to the people, that's when you get in real trouble. Because you, too many people start to think it's the shirts in the merchandise store, or it's the Coca-Cola machine, or no, it's people. And you got to hire great people. You got to, as I say, hire them right, train them right, and treat them right. That's the key to success in any business. And your listeners, every one of them out there has people working for them that shouldn't be there. They should have gotten rid of them, mm-hmm. and they're not doing it. And some of them hired their family, <laughs> like your husband, and he doesn't perform. You can't get rid, you can't get rid of him. He won't, he won't leave. And uh, so I tell people, don't hire your family and don't hire your friends. Hire people who are, know what they're doing, train them, hold them accountable, Help them have a good career, train them, develop them, encourage them, and five years later they'll call you up and thank you for those tough conversations you had with them. That's well, the aim. Manage people. Well, you talk about how to fire somebody. I think this was one of the aha moments for me is, you know, thinking about all those times, and I had this happen to me just a couple of years ago for the first time, is you're being eliminated And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? (laughs) I've given every, I'm a Disney person. I give everything. But what was interesting is when I was reading through your book, I thought, you know, it was about what they envisioned as a fit for the organization moving forward. Lots of things were changing that, you know, you don't know about. And, And so what's interesting is how you feel on the other side. And I didn't experience something that was great. It was just, we're eliminating this and goodbye which you go on to explain the value of when you are getting ready to eliminate someone or change a position or try to find them another space. It's so important to help that person understand, explain the process or really give them, you know, some information, uh, which you helps them to believe that it's not just they're a failure, right? That they just need to be, uh, they're going to be put into a different position to be able to use their skill set. Um, And so you go into that a lot. And I think it's important that particular chapter, part of that chapter is, I think, really critical for people that are having maybe never experienced that process before. But you give some really great tips on that. And how did how did you learn that? Well, I learned it because I was very bad at it when I was a young manager. I was terrified to fire people and have hard conversations with them because who likes to do that? Mm -hmm. I'd never been taught how to do it. I didn't know how to do it. It's intimidating. And uh, I almost got fired myself for not dealing with somebody. My boss said, if you don't deal with him, Lee, I'm going to deal with you. And uh, I slowly but surely started learning. I used to call people in and coach them, and they left. They didn't know if I'd fired them or if I'd promoted them. (laughs) Because I was so confused and I didn't want to say the your terminated kind, so they left. But now I learned that I said, I you know, by the time I would have let you go or terminate you, you'll know it's coming because by then you and I have had a lot. Of, I just tell the truth, and mm-hmm. the truth gets to people's brain much faster than spin. And I just tell them, hey, listen, guy, we've talked about this three times. The next time you come in to see me, if it doesn't get better, I'm gonna be, that meeting will be for me to tell you you're not working here anymore. 
And even at Marriott, I used to give them a day off with pay to go home and think about whether they really wanted to work at Marriott because I told them, the next time I deal with you, you're fired. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them came back and shook them up. Disney, Marriott paid me to go home and think about my performance. So um, I am very straightforward. I, and I, I think it, to me, it's like mothers. Manage like a mother. Your mother loves you. She respects you. She'll kick your butt. And then she'll <laughs> tell you she loves you before you go to sleep. And in the morning, she'll probably kick your butt again. <laughs> and then she'll say, before you go to school, I love you. Because she cares about you. And if you respect and care about your people, shame on you for not telling them the absolute truth of how they can get better. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't tell them, most people are not going to get better unless you lay it out for them. That's right. And they're not going to love you when you tell them either. I mean, people say to me all the time, I met one of your friends. I said, no, I don't have any friends because, I mean, you know, I got family and a couple of friends. But uh, at work, it's about performance. Mm -hmm. That was the job. And I feel bad for you. And I'll try to help you. And I'll give you five chances. And I'll help you with uh, whatever you need. I've loaned people money at work. pay their rent. I mean, I've done a lot of things I shouldn't have done. Uh, but I'll give people a chance. But at some point, they got to pick it up and do it. Mm -hmm. And I call those people good people at Disney that don't fit anymore. They're not doing their job for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't. People have 10 problems you don't know about. And sometimes you just can't get to the root of the problem. And uh, it could be a marriage. It could be finances. It could be children in trouble. It could be who knows. Mm -hmm. But uh, clarity. Be clear with people. A lot of them will turn around and get better. And then sometimes you got to have those hard conversations. And I tell people all the time, if you cannot have hard conversations, make hard decisions, don't have children, first of all. And second, don't become a manager because that's all you deal with. Mm -hmm. And uh, people don't want to have hard conversations because they're hard. they're hard. And if you don't do hard things, life gets harder. If you take the easy route, life gets harder. If you start doing the hard things, life gets easier. Mm -hmm. And uh, most people got to learn to step it up and be responsible and quit being irresponsible. And, and so people know that they trust you because you always tell them the good, the bad, and the ugly. They know that you don't, if they're not doing a good job, you tell them. If they're doing a good job, you tell them. Just like a mother. So I tell people, manage like a mother. You'll be just fine. That goes into your book of time management, right? I mean, yeah, it just lays it all out right there. Mothers don't care if you're happy. No. They care if you're successful. <laughs> they, don't, they don't care if you're happy every day. My mother was a terrorist before they had them in the world. And uh, she kicked our butt. And uh, we got out of the house as soon as we could. And uh, never looked back. The chances of us moving back home was zero. Mm -hmm. So she taught us how to do everything, and she taught us discipline and ethics and honesty and uh, to do what you're supposed to do and keep your promises. And that's what mothers are for. That's why mothers are the best leader in the world. Mm -hmm. They are. They, they, they are totally committed. They have a vision like you should with all your employees. They have a long-term vision. You're born, and they got 18 years to get rid of you, and uh, they got to get you ready to get leave. And uh, a lot of kids don't leave anymore. No, a lot of parents parents don't even know their kids are down in the basement for the last two years. They haven't left, mm -hmm. and uh, so you get, it's leadership's just like you know it's a responsibility. Just like don't have kids unless you're a responsible person. Mm -hmm. Don't make more problems. Your job is to make better kids for the world to go out and be successful. And at work, it's your job is to make more leaders, more successful people. 
And uh, people say, oh, I can't. I want to work for Disney because it's so much fun. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it can be fun, but I tell you, it's not always fun. <laughs> well, when you go through, like I did in, I think, 1986, when I was in the trailers and went through the traditions classes and just thought about, you know, the values that were installed and, and in search of excellence came out at that yep. same around that same time. And it was just, it was infused in me. And I believe so much about how do you create that magic, right? How do you instill that for the rest of your life to take that into everything that you do? And you have infused that into almost 60,000 people, right? That you were, that you were helping to believe that as well, because it all starts with the belief. And, and you said, you know, you had a rough time growing up. It wasn't like you were provided everything. You had a lot of insecurities and, but you thought about other people first and doing those simple things that put you in the mindset to say, really, this is about creating something bigger and a legacy. And you've done that so successfully. And so I applaud you for that, Lee. This is just, it's been an amazing time to kind of watch it transform. And you've been a big part of that. Well, I'll tell you two things I would tell your listeners. The two things you need the most to be a good leader, a good parent, is empathy and discipline. Empathy to understand and figure out what's really going on and to adjust yourself to situations from different people. Empathy. Feel for the people. And then the discipline to do the hard things and do the things you have to do and follow up. And and a, parent, a mother has a lot of empathy and a lot of discipline. And that's why you end up with kids that are great. And when you don't have empathy, you, you come off as hard. You create insecure kids. You create a, a, an environment of people not feeling safe and loved. And uh, empathy and discipline. It's interesting two things. And without the discipline, you won't do the right things. No matter how nice you are to people, you will get in trouble because you don't have that discipline to do what has to be done. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. you, would you mind? I've got several questions, but I have a, a, a Mickey Mouse cookie jar right in front of me here that I've got all these pieces of paper in. Right, <laughs> I've got go my Disney name tag on. <laughs> I have my Mickey and Minnie sitting beside me here. But um, yeah. but there are so many questions, but I think some of these that I've pulled out that I just, is it okay to ask you a few of these questions? Sure. Okay. So let me start with the first one. Um, it's about DNA. So how do you think that now that you're gone from Disney and you have influence because you're going out and you're doing all these executive speeches and talks to try to influence the world, how is the Disney DNA being shared in our, our communities? The, in Around the world, you mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I hardly ever give a talk that 99% of the people haven't been to Disney. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care. Yesterday I was talking to a company in Knoxville and last week in Montana, and they've all been to Disney, and that's why they hired me, was because I tell people, listen, I can make your company better and your bottom line better pretty fast because I know how, you know, there's a little formula about hiring the right people. I get them about getting rid of people that aren't doing their job, training taking them through that and how to create the right culture. And and uh, these are the things that I don't care what company's out there. If you do those things, you'll create this place where all your people wake up in the morning and are excited to come in because they're working in a place where they're respected, included, involved, listened to, their opinion counts. 
uh, that's the kind of place you want to work. And people don't look for a job when they're in that kind of place. And uh, we've got to create the right environment and the right culture so that people, uh, are, they know they matter. And that is what I, I try to make sure everybody I deal with knows they matter. I don't care if it's a homeless person on the street. I don't care if it's my neighbor. I don't care who it is. Everybody has issues. There's a lot of anxiety going on in the world. Mm -hmm. People are suffering from depression. And I know I can make their day better or worse. And I choose to make it better. <laughs> so. Well, and, and that's so, it's so apparent. You know, you have this DNA and we talk about it, the John Maxwell team, that all of us, all the 25,000 members of us that are that come down there and we do our certifications and we say, we have this DNA, like you just either have it or you don't, right? And you right. live through yeah. that. Um, right. So another question that I have is from a previous cast member, and she says, what is the most valuable nugget you have for staying creative in leadership? Yeah, curiosity for me. Mm -hmm. I read every day. I have a book by my bed. I just finished Michelle Obama's book, uh, Becoming. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible book. I learned so much about here's a person who was black, grew up on the south side of Chicago, poor family, and she pulled herself up, and she got into Princeton with a scholastic scholarship, and she got into Harvard, became a lawyer, and those are the kind of books I read. I want people to know that uh, even if you're poor, or no matter what, you can be successful, and you've got to quit talking yourself down. And... Uh, I would say the nugget is uh, you can. It's incredible how fast you can learn. I tell people I'm an expert in time management, and they say, "How can you say that?" I said, "Because I know more about it than you do. That's why." <laughs> and I study it. I think about it, and I practice it, and I teach it. And so you got to. I tell you, if you want to be successful today, you need to become an expert in something, mm -hmm. and you need to wake up every morning and figure out. All day long, you're going to focus on that. You're going to go to seminars. You're going to get on the right websites. You're going to be reading all, read more. This is what people don't read anymore. And let me, t I mean, you can learn so much. I mean, you can read a book every, once a week. If you have one by your bed, read for half an hour, 30 minutes, go to sleep. You wake up smarter in the morning. And it happens gradually. Uh, you, you're really brainwashing your brain as you take in new knowledge. And with Google, there's, you can learn anything you want, or YouTube, or, uh, you know, it's endless today. But you got to have the curiosity, and you got to know that that is going to pay off for you, and you got to know that uh, persistence matters. I mean, And you got to put the work you. in. You know, you got to put the work in, because a lot yeah. of people will read, but then do they apply it, right? So and I, I don't even find it work anymore. I enjoy it, picking up the book and reading. I couldn't... I, could not hardly put her book down. And it's a 400 and some page book. And I just looked forward to getting in bed every night and reading it. It was just so, so, so inspiring. And, uh, and then I heard, I, I posted that on Facebook and I, all I heard from were women. And then I posted guys, you need to read this book too. <laughs> we need more guys with a little more feminine and as a minimum, <laughs> women are, women are better leaders in my opinion, frankly. Well, thank you. <laughs> we'll they take that. They, they get it, and they know they have to work harder, mm -hmm. and they know they have to. They're being judged all the time, and I loved. I just worked. I did a speech yesterday, and that you know, there were 150 people, and 135 of them were women, and I the energy in that room was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. 
because they wanted to learn and they were asking questions and they were getting it and getting up and giving kind of testimonials about how they've changed since they went through the seminars. And it was exciting. And uh, so uh, high energy people that want to be better. If you want to be better, you'll be better. If you don't, you know, Mr. Marriott told me if you have flies in your restaurant, you like flies. Mm. Hey, if you don't know something, whose fault is that? It's not my fault. <laughs> don't blame your mother. Go find out. And, uh, <laughs> and we, know, have, we have the ability to do that today. Well, listen to podcasts. Yes, yes, listen to your podcast. Right. Listen to mine. Read a book. That's right. When's the last time people read a book? They don't read anymore. <laughs> and you learn more when you read than when you listen. Mm-hmm. And so whatever. People got to start believing in themselves instead of poor me. The world's been mean to me. My mother locked me in the closet when I was three years old. I never got over it. I mean, hey. Go to Disney World and forget about it, right? <laughs> yeah, they say don't look back. You're not going there. Forget the past. Oh. I don't think about the not having a toilet and having to go outside. I have five bathrooms in my house. I can go anywhere I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I had to work hard to get inside. <laughs> you did have to work hard. And I think that's part of your story, you know, that I want people to understand. Like anybody can step into and create magic. Anybody can step into and create what they want out of their day just yeah. by following the simple rules, you know, being disciplined, being creative, caring about others, taking that five minutes to do something, to think about somebody else. It can change somebody else's life. I mean, it, it absolutely can when you step into that and, and be challenged by it, right? There are and put, yeah, and push yourself to be open-minded, to take feedback, because a lot of people have a lot of negative things. Somebody needs to tell them how to dress, how to, which fork to use, put your napkin in your lap. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things, and you can go out and find experts. You can go on websites. You can go on, uh, there's videos about this. You can learn which glass the wine goes in, which glass the water, which fork to use first. Uh, just all these little things that people say, oh, I'm so scared because I don't know. I haven't been exposed. Well, get exposed. Get exposed. Get <laughs> exposed. All right. So that goes into my next question. This is a young lady that is interviewing to do an internship with Disney. And she said, are there any tips for trying to get into the professional internship program? Well, I think most of the interns they pick from people who've been in the college program already. Mm-hmm. And when I people say, what should I say to them? I said, be yourself and tell them why they should hire you. What are you bringing to the table? Reliability, hard work, you'll be there, flexibility. Tell people who you are. Because, you know, young people, I don't care what you've done. I want to know who you are. Do you have passion? Do you Are you going to be there when I need you? Are you going to have that good smile on your face when I ask you to work Saturday night and come back Sunday morning? Uh, try to think about a, a little cover letter that talks about who are you. And, you know, what you did in school and you worked uh, all all night for three nights to get that term paper ready. And people want to know that you're committed mm-hmm. and you need to find a way to let people know who you are, not just what you've done. Because uh, and I have a lot of experience helping young people write those of thinking, OK, who am I? Well, I had a job all the years I was a teenager. I had a job every year. I worked my way through school. I uh, I help uh, people uh, at my church. I do, you know, this is the kind of person I want to hire. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you've been a waitress and this and that. I want to know what kind of how committed you are. And because those are the people that are high potential. And uh, so Dedicated. it's a different way to think about it because mm-hmm. resumes are a dime a dozen. Oh, my gosh. And, and you know, when you talked about the Gallup poll, so when you guys did the this whole um, 
you know, redesign of trying to figure out how to hire the right people and, and that whole process, you know, that that's really important because when you think about developing cultures and today that's kind of the buzzword, you know, cultural um, um, change and, and developing sure. cultures in companies because you can do it. Like you can change the culture in your company today. You better. Yeah. You know, they say culture eats a strategy for lunch. Mm. And I think that's true. If you don't get the culture right, I don't care how many good ideas you have. If you don't have the culture right at home and at work, it, you're not going to be a happy person. And the kids are not going to be happy and the employees are not going to be happy. The culture is an incredible, that is the name of the game. And uh, so many companies can't get it right. And uh, so, yeah. And uh, those are the kind of things your people need to be listening to this. Think about and what are they doing to make the culture better every day? Realize when you get out of your car in the morning, you're going into that office or into that workplace, you have two choices. You can make it better today or worse by your own attitude and the way you treat people and how you speak to people and how you're available for people. And and uh, this can be learned. I learned it, and I didn't know any of this. I mean, I knew nothing about soft skills and about how to treat people. I was kind of intimidating when I started out because I was so insecure. I just bullied everybody. And uh, that way it kept them away from me and I got things done because they were scared. But that doesn't work long term. <laughs> so what are you, that, have you yeah. taken, have you taken the DISC assessment? I have a long time ago, but I'll tell your leaders too, Gallup's good. It's oh. kind of an expensive process sometimes, but also they should look up Carol Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N. Okay. Carol Quinn. I've been working with her 10 years on uh, developing uh, uh, interview questions and and she's got a theory, and I, I believe it is ask every question needs to have an obstacle in it so people can explain to you how they handle obstacles. Tell me about a specific time you had to deal with an irate customer, mm -hmm. you know, and then listen to what they say and what was the outcome. Tell me about a specific time that you had a financial problem and you only had 30 days before the end of the period. And listen to them. Talk about it because people who are great can talk about it and people who can't. And if you ask five people in an interview that question – You'll know which one you want. It'll come to the top so easily. Don't ask any, just obstacles. That's all they do. That's all we all deal with every day from the time we get up to go to bed are obstacles. Mm -hmm. Well, it, because even if you like your job, right, even if we step into the job of our dreams, right. nothing's perfect. <laughs> so we have to, no you have to be able to pivot and you have to be able to solve problems. That's, that's what the world is about. And so do you have a story from Disney just to share a story of something that was really challenging and you got your team through it, something that um, that's a memorable experience. Yeah, 9-11. Yes. Today. Yes. 18 years ago at 8 in the morning when my wife called me from the car and said somebody's the planes just hit the World Trade Center. And I thought, eh, I, you know, I don't know what that is. Walked over to my boss. We turned on the TV, second plane hit, then it hit the Pentagon. We opened the command center. And we had we were ready. We had practiced. We practiced several times a year for crisis. Mm -hmm. We opened 22 command centers in 30 minutes. We had all the guests out in 90 minutes back to their hotels. We, we I mean, we handled it perfectly because we, as I said, <laughs> it's the way you work. Yep. And we're ready. It's like, don't go buy our fire extinguisher after your kitchen burns down. Get one now. <laughs> You know, and uh, don't buy a treadmill after your heart attack. Get one before. And uh, all these things, you know, don't put a pool fence up after your kids drown. Uh, think about, are you ready? 
are you ready? And we are always ready at Disney. That's the best place in the world to be in a hurricane, any crisis, 9-11. And I was very proud that day because everybody was ready. And they did what they were supposed to do. And we still get comments from people all these years later telling us how what a great stay it was. Or hurricane victims say, wow, that was the best hurricane I've ever been in. <laughs> we packed lunches and dinners for them. We make them stay in their rooms and we have food. And we, uh, I mean, we just are all over it. And uh, that was, I said, a leader, there's nothing I could do that day except stand back and hope they all implemented what we had trained on. And they did. And it was an amazing day. And I was, I'll was i never forget that day. It was a tragedy. And it was one of the, my proudest days of making sure we pulled it off. And we had our act together. And nobody got hurt. And we entertained the kids at the hotels, people crying, wanted to go back to New York because a lot of the guests were from there. And we were all over it. And uh, people thought they had a great experience, even though it was a tragic event. And that's really what you want to be ready to do, handle the obstacles in your life and handle them well yeah be ready and i think that's what disney does that is the epitome of when someone says they're going to have a disney day they think (laughs) they're putting all their problems aside and they're going they want the experience of if i could make everything perfect if i could have someone think of me first and we can do that in our own lives and that's what i think is so valuable about learning from you and reading your books and, and maybe hopefully meeting you and attending one of your seminars because, because I think it's so true. Each and every single person can make this world better by just following these principles and understanding yep. the value of you don't have to go to Orlando to experience <laughs> Disney, right? You don't have to go to Orlando. Now, I was born there and my family lives there and I go there. But you don't have to. You could do it in Indianapolis, where I live. You could do it in Michigan. You could do it in Minnesota. But you have to take the initiative. Well, my son just wrote a book called How's the Weather in Your Kingdom? And, <laughs> I love uh, it. I love it. You know, no matter where your kingdom is, do you, is it together? Do you handle bad weather well? Do you keep it safe? Do you, keep, do you have your act together in your own business? Is it a magical – do your people love to come in? Do you have low turnover? They want to work there. They bring good people to – you can create this Disney – Anywhere. anywhere in the world if you'll focus on the basics and the basics is treating people right and training them and making the hard decisions and having hard discussions and it's that easy and it's, but people you know they are looking for some technology solution or the, you know i mean no it's never going to change leadership matters and uh leadership matters it sure does leadership matters so yeah. what do you what and, do you uh, so they, Go ahead. What do you think the biggest challenge moving forward? So as the, you know, all these generations are changing and, and you know, Disney began with this vision. And yep. so what do you think in the next 10 years, 15 years, what's going to be the biggest challenge for Disney? Yeah, I mean, it's the challenge for everybody, including Disney, is going to be to always have the best people, mm-hmm. to have good leaders in place and have them stay and not want to quit and not leave because they're not happy and uh, they're not being treated right. Nothing's going Technology is going to change a mile a minute. Rides are going to change a mile a minute. Movie, The way we shoot movies, the way we train may be online. It may be God knows how it's going to be. But one thing that's not going to change is leadership. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
we got to get the best people. We got to make sure using Gallup or Carol Quinn or, and uh, we've got to make sure that people want to stay with us and we create an environment and a culture where they have the resources to do their jobs and they know they have opportunity. And if they do a good job, they can get promoted and get into management. And here's George Calagritas started as a bus boy at the contemporary. And now he's president of the company, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I mean, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And we need to, People need to know that you can, I don't care how insecure, I was the most insecure introvert that ever lived on earth. And I am now a closet introvert. I can be extroverted. I come out. And, but my wife says sometimes it'd be nice if you would have spoken to our guests at dinner tonight, because I can get back in my own head. But when I have to do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. And then I need a lot of rest after that, because it tires me out. Well. But uh you got to, people got to really start to understand who they are and what influence, what they're going to do about it. Somebody said, what don't you like about your life? What don't you like about your health? What don't you like about your job, your salary, uh, your relationships at home? And the last question, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. You're going to sit around there and blah, blah, blah. No, you got to do something. Go see a psychiatrist, go get help, go uh, get somebody at work to help you, train you, read more, work your way out of this too many people are stuck, yeah, and they don't think they can get out. Well, you can get out, and they're stuck in their little community. They're stuck in the wrong marriage. They're stuck in a job they hate. They're stuck, 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 and it takes a little work to dig yourself out of it. And by the way, if you're 30, 35, 40, still never too late. 50, it's not too late. I'm 75. I'm working every day. I'm having fun. <laughs> you know. And you're using your passion because you've learned what you're, uh, what you feel so passionate about and how you've influenced people. And so when you talk about success and significance, you know, you have created significance in the world because you've influenced <laughs> so many people and, and the books that you've written and you will write and the things that you're going to do and speak to generations of kids that, that give them an opportunity or a chance to think I could do that Absolutely. too. I could do that too. Right. People ask me, Lee, why do you still speak? Why don't you just be retired and sit on your couch? <laughs> you can't and I do said, that. why do I speak? I speak because people clap, and I need to be loved. Yeah. That's why I speak. Yeah. You know, yep. it's not the money. It's people. I We all need it. We all want it. I love it when I get a people love my speech and talk to me and write me and tell me how much it meant to them and how I helped them think about things in a new way. Yeah. And, I've had people tell me I saved their marriage. <laughs> wow. I think you saved mine. No. <laughs> well, well there'll be a problem later tonight. <laughs> okay, I've got a great sure. question. i got a great question, and this is a bunch of people asked this, and, and so I laughed about it, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to throw this one out at you. What is Goofy? What is Goofy? Yeah. <laughs> is Goofy a dog? Who is Goofy or what is Goofy? What is Goofy? Yeah, I think... Well, it's probably definitely a male. Uh, and it's kind of like dopey. My wife said dopey was reserved for all men yeah. because uh, all men are dopey and most women agree. <laughs> I don't know what Goofy is. Goofy's just a good person, and we shouldn't try to uh, uh, identify Goofy as something unusual. We don't want to talk about his color or whether he's gay or not or whether he... Uh, it's from uh, Czechoslovakia, or whether he's a Mormon or a Muslim or Jew or yeah, don't worry about Goofy. Yeah. He's just one of the guys, <laughs> and we take care of him and we treat him with respect. Oh, that's and great. So, 
and Goofy's Goofy. We're all a little goofy sometimes. We're all if a little you're goofy. having fun in the world. <laughs> Isn't uh, that the truth? You can notice I'm, I'm kind of goofy because <laughs> I have fun and I, I like it. And uh, frankly, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> all right. One more question. What's your favorite ride? At what I part? would say what became my favorite ride, and I haven't been over to all the new stuff. People say, don't you go to Disney every day? I say, you crazy? Say, it's hot over there. I'm not <laughs> going over there. And uh, I might go in January. But I think back in my day, it was Rock and Roller Coaster. It was such a strong launch. I just loved that. Wow. Boom. <laughs> a minute of terror. And uh, so those kind of things I liked. Uh, and I learned a lot at Disney to appreciate Disney. I didn't appreciate it as much when I joined the company. It was just a job. But I think the thing that really got me was when Lion King came out. Mm -hmm. I was just emotionally moved by that movie, the message, how well it was done. I didn't think I liked those kind of movies. And, man, it was strong. And uh, I think about that a lot. Of, uh, when you do high-quality stuff, people never forget it. And uh, so I had a lot of fun at Disney. And... Uh, I had a lot of hard days, too. On balance, my life was perfect at Disney, on balance. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what you have to think about. You're going to have bad days, but on balance, are you happy? I tell people, on, on balance, I have a great marriage. Are there those days? Absolutely. <laughs> when, we, when I have to sing the song, let it go. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, you own your... My mother-in-law said she was died at 95. Her name was Sunshine. She was born in Louisiana. She said, only you are responsible for your happiness and your health. And I think about that a lot. Only you are happy, responsible for your health and your happiness. And uh, people need to kind of take that in. And my father-in-law, who was a Navy admiral, said, my wife asked him what he would, advice he'd give after living his life, going through World War II. He said, I would, my advice would be, do your best every day and forgive yourself. That's all you can do. And I think those are interesting. You do your best. Tomorrow you may wake up and do a little better. You do your best. And you do your best every day. You'll be fine. You absolutely um, will. Yeah. Lee, this has been an amazing interview. I appreciate you so much. I would give you a big hug if you were sitting right here. I'm looking oh, at <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at this um, bumper sticker that I got when I worked at Disney World that says, is there life after Disney World? <laughs> so I would say for you, absolutely. You are just beginning to influence the world in so many other ways that I can't mm -hmm. wait to see what you're going to do. Well, let me tell you, one lady asked me, I was somewhere, and she said, can you imagine the world without Disney? And I thought about, wow, that's pretty deep. Because when you think about it, so yeah, it's great. And great. good to be with you and uh, get your technical team together and life will be good. <laughs> well, you know, I may have to fire him. <laughs> well, he probably just needs some training. Yeah, <laughs> he probably it's probably your It's your fault. You I picked know. him. And if he's not trained, that's your fault. So don't be blaming it on his mother. Yeah, and, thanks a lot, Lee. I'll take that one. <laughs> all right. You're nice awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for being an everyday leader. Thanks for being on the program, Lee. Hi, I'm Melanie Ake with Everyday Leaders. I wanted to invite you to join my leadership class. It's Life Strategies 101, where I'm going to take you through the everyday 15 laws of growth. It's an amazing journey. It's 15 weeks with me as your personal coach. Join me, everydayleaders.com, and sign up today.